all. Welcome to the Ground Game Podcast. I'm your host, Bushido Squirrel, and today we're talking unions and public defenders. So we're here with public defender and ground game organizer, Ace Katana. How are you doing today, Ace? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing really well. So uh, let's start with the basics here. Tell me just real quick about the the L.A. County Public Defender's Office. So the L.A. County Public Defender's Office, which I uh, work for, is the first public defender's office in the country. It was actually founded, I believe, in uh, 1914. Um, based on a framework that was designed by Clara Shortridge Foltz, who was the first uh, female attorney in California. Uh, The Public Defender's Office in L.A. County is the largest criminal defense firm in the world. It's got about 660 line attorneys and then managers and staff and investigators that would come out, well over 1,000 people involved in this uh, operation. And it represents indigent defendants all across the county of Los Angeles. So that's a a constituency of around 10 million people. And uh, how many cases do you, as an office, handle every year? Do you have an estimate on that? I don't even want to. Uh, thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands. Because each one of you is, is handling a couple hundred cases per year, I'd imagine. E- yeah, easily. A uh, couple hundred cases. It is, in, in, some, in some darker cases, a couple hundred at a time. But Wow, uh, there are a lot of a lot of things moving around. So the uh, the head or the former head left and was replaced by somebody uh, from the county level that y'all weren't too happy about. So let's touch on that because it's key to understanding the organizing story here. Yeah. So well, you know, I, as you know, and the reason we're having this conversation right now is because we recently unionized. And so what what had happened was uh, the public defender's office had kind of been without that sort of organization f- since the '80s when. Back in the 80s, the, all of the county attorneys were organized in a single union. Uh, I believe it was under SEIU at that time. That wound up falling apart in like 88, 89 or something like that. And since then, uh, the public defender's office has gone unrepresented. The DAs have their own independent union that's not affiliated with any uh, larger labor organization. They used to be with AFSCME, but they broke off because they didn't like the fact that AFSCME was liberal. Huh. All and, right. And, well. and so, and so the, the, a, there was a conservative insurgency in the DA's office. No, I'm not kidding. There was a conservative insurgency in the DA's office I, I'm and sorry, that took just, over the DA's union. Seeing as this is in L.A., I'm just imagining a lot of very angry, you know, L.A. law hair styles and, yeah. like, bad suits getting very, like, you know, you, you don't dislike the brown people enough for us. Yeah. Or the, leaving Ask Me. That was that was actually pretty much literally how it went. The, the big uh, breaking point was... AFSCME supported, then AFSCME, just to get everybody up on the acronym, American Federation of State, County, and Municipal Employees. Um, And so uh, AFSCME backed Prop 47, which Mm -hmm. reduced a number of uh, a number of like lesser crimes from felonies to misdemeanors. You know, it used to be you could get a felony charge and years in prison for possession of heroin. You can no longer get you can only get a misdemeanor for possession now if it's for personal use. You can. Uh, you used to be able to get your third strike and go to prison forever because you shoplifted. Uh, that no longer happens. You can only get a third strike if it's something seri- defined as serious or violent. Uh, so, so that that uh, that reform was backed by AFSCME and Labor in general. The DAs didn't like it. They jumped ship. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, throughout all of this process, we were running around kind of headless. We had. Uh, our, we have our managers, but we don't have any sort of operative body. There's a, there's a public defenders association that exists kind of internally to sort of process people's issues and talk to management about things, but it doesn't have any actual clout. Uh, so when, uh, when Ron Brown, the previous public defender, the chief of the office, retired, 
uh, there was a period of time where people they were looking for somebody to replace him. And for a while, they had a temporary uh, person who came out of retirement who used to run the Ventura County Public Defender's Office. Uh, he was doing pretty well, but he was only allowed to be doing it for a certain amount of time because he is still a retired uh, state employee. After that period, they did another search. They had a lot of trouble finding someone because some of the conditions they were putting on the a public defender were making the position less desirable mm-hmm. to some of the people with the experience to run the office. Yeah. So the Board of Supervisors wound up appointing somebody from county council mm-hmm. uh, to be the interim chief of the office. And this is a person who had never worked criminal defense or even not even just criminal defense, has never worked criminal law, period. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, everyone was, everyone in the office was livid mm-hmm. because you can't have somebody running the, especially something like a public defender. It's a particular job with a lot of unusual pressures mm-hmm. uh, and unusual stresses, and requires a pretty advanced knowledge of a very specific field of law. Mm-hmm. And if you have somebody who doesn't have any intersection with that that field of law, with the sort of cli- the clients we have with the sort of work we do or the stresses we're under, how the hell are they going to run the place, yeah. right? My understanding is she represented uh, the county specific, uh, 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 on a few occasions the sheriff's department in uh, civil lawsuits and civil civil cases. Right? Yeah, I mean, the, she as part of county councils represented the sheriff's department when they get sued for shooting our clients. Okay, so, good, you know, there good. was some people were that particular conflict drew a lot of attention from people. and But basically it that... Uh, that appointment kind of drove home to people that the county was not listening to us in our in our unorganized status. So let's let's talk process a little bit here. Uh, you have the lightning bolt revelation that everyone should unionize, uh, and then you just make that happen, right? Like it's a real easy process to to get seven hundred attorneys on the same page. Yeah, you just it's it's like herding cats, actually. Like the <laughs> amount of the, the you know everybody in the public defender's office is by nature. Uh, independent-minded, contrarian, you know, like, you, you don't become a public defender because you're, like, really good at falling in line. So, you know, so everybody's very opinionated and has a lot of thoughts about it. And everybody's lawyers, and you know how yeah. lawyers are. They want to have all the details and read everything and are sort of risk-averse by nature. So how, how did you do it? Was it vote? Was it card check? Like, what was the actual mechanism for well, so, your unionization? So here's, here's, yeah. so here's the process. Once this went down... Those of us who had been talking about unionizing the office or had been thinking about it previously kind of poked our heads up and saw that there was an opening. <laughs> you know, I'd been talking about union, organizing a union with some, uh, some folks uh, before any of this went down. I'd been sort of talking to people in labor and thinking about what our options could be and how we could do it and what the advantages would be. When this went down, ever, all of a sudden, all the, it turned out there were more of us than we thought. Ah. Thing about it. Um, so w- w- the process first, we had a large informational meeting with uh, representatives from uh, AFSCME, SEIU, 721, and CAPE, which are the three unions that represent county employees in Los Angeles, um, to talk about like, oh, like what do you guys do? Like how could we do this? Like what information would you bring to the table? So after having that uh, meeting, the pretty much unanimous uh, agreement from the 50 people or so who were there was that uh, AFSCME was the way to go for, for what we were trying to do 
and how we wanted to organize. Mm-hmm. Can, can I ask why? Like, what was it that AFSCME was offering that, like, SEIU didn't or, like, was different? Uh, what, what AFSCME offered that SEIU didn't is that the way AFSCME organizes each bargaining unit, so each office or workplace becomes its own local, mm-hmm. whereas SEIU uh, operates in a, a one-big local mm-hmm. sort of framework. Uh, AFSCME has... Southern California is AFSCME Council 36, and under that there are many locals for different different types of workers and different different offices and workplaces and cities and so forth. So functionally, SEIU has a lot of clout because they can bring a lot of people to the table and have you know just huge swarms of people because they represent lots of workers across all sorts of different uh, types of types of uh, labor. Mm-hmm. AFSCME, on the other hand, uh, allows a greater degree of independence for a specific office, and which which is useful for us because, as public defenders, we have different, you know, we have different concerns about our uh, workplace issues mm-hmm. than somebody who's, you know, say working the Department of Sanitation or yeah. somebody who's, you know, uh, working in the in a hospital. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a the, the sort of specific economic issues that our office was dealing with are distinct. The specific political issues we're dealing with are distinct. So people wanted to really kind of assert ourselves as a body. Okay. And, and once you decided to throw in with Ask Me, what did things look like from there? What kind of support did you get? How, how did that process play out? Well, so what happened is once we decided we were going to go with Ask Me, we started having organizing meetings with uh, Tris Carpenter, who's who was recently appointed the executive director of Council 36. Nice. Um, so he's one of the head negotiators with AFSCME. We sat down. We started talking about, okay, the public defender's office is broken up over over 25, like 25 different offices. That's a ton of little, little satellite mm-hmm. because every single courthouse has public defenders at it. So we started coming up with a strategy, okay, who, getting people's emails and phone numbers, finding who we had who could, you know, be useful and talk about the union and the process at each of the uh, office locations, mm-hmm. making sure that everybody who was involved in the organizing of the union was up to speed on the issues and talking points and had the resources to refer to if they were asked a question they didn't know. Mm-hmm. Um, after a little bit of that internal organizing, we called a big meeting to talk about it and then started collecting cards. Mm-hmm. How it works is when you're getting people to join a union, they have to sign a card that says, I agree that I want to be represented by this union. Mm-hmm. It's got to be specific. You can't just be like, I'd like a union. It's saying, I am joining this union. I'm represented by AFSCME or I want to be represented by SEIU or we're just starting a union. This body that we're creating is going to be the thing that you have to have yeah. it specified. We start gathering up cards, um, talking to people, get it, convincing them to of the benefits of unionizing. Uh, and then once we had, and it actually went kind of remarkably fast. So as you're collecting cards, uh, do you just need a naked majority or what sort of response, what sort of yes response do you need? Legally speaking, you just need a majority. Once you have a majority of your workplace, you can, if, if you're private, you're going to the National Labor Relations Board. But in our case, we're going to the County Employee Relations Committee since we're county employees. You only need a naked majority to uh, get certified, but you want more than that because if you have more than that, you can 
you, you will actually impress the potential uh, negotiating party. You know, uh, you want to be able to make a real show of force. Mm-hmm. Also, in private sector, you might be forced into having a uh, election. Mm-hmm. Once you have the cards, it doesn't actually. It's not just uh, proceeding by card check. Not just saying, "Oh, we've got a majority. Okay, you're a union now." It's uh, once you have those cards, then they say, "Okay, let's have an election so everybody can vote on whether or not they want a union." If you don't have a strong majority, when you go into that, you might lose, and that mm-hmm. sucks and wastes your time and makes you look like an asshole. Mm-hmm. So you really don't want that sort of thing. So in our case, we waited until we had uh, until we had enough above a majority to know that we. Uh, felt comfortable filing, um, and I'm, I think we've gathered more cards since then because once it's happening, it's a lot easier to convince people to jump on board. It's mm-hmm. one thing to say, "Hey, this might happen. We could do this." It's another thing to say, "Do you want to vote or not?" And did you experience a lot of pushback from the county at all? I mean, I, I imagine in the private sector, there's the reason they push for an election is it's more time for management to undermine the efforts. You know, what was your experience as a county employee? Mm-hmm. It was kind of interesting. We actually got very little pushback from the county whatsoever. We got some pushback from management, but from the county, uh, nothing. Because the the county itself, the Board of Supervisors is extremely labor-friendly in Los Angeles. They all have backgrounds in labor, or they had direct support from labor in their elections. Even the Republican Mm -hmm. had labor support and has been labor-friendly. That's basic, you know, <laughs> to be on the county board of supervisors, you kind of got to. <laughs> so they they didn't have any pushback. I mean, they weren't about to pick a fight with AFSCME just over, over like what out of spite, <laughs> you know. So it's a different it's a different sort of environment to be organizing it. Yeah. We also did it really goddamn fast. Yeah. So we went from we started collecting cards on the, at the end of March, and were able to file for a majority in about six weeks. <laughs> which is ridiculously quick. So we really like bashed it out to a certain extent the from from what I've heard to a certain extent the board of supervisors didn't even really understand that we were unionizing until we filed uh, in, they in just some cases didn't have like, that much time. They, 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 well just it went really quick mm-hmm. and if it wasn't on their radar which we weren't which is why we got mad and decided to unionize uh, you know it just you know bam it, we took we got it put together. So uh, in our case, because the, the once we filed, we were waiting for the Employee Relations Committee to come back and with their decision, it would have been possible for them to say maybe, oh, this is an inappropriate uh, bargaining unit. Mm-hmm. You know, like if, if we had tried to unionize the office, but it only unionized, you know, we're only filing as one branch rather than the whole thing, they would have said, oh, no, you need to fi- have the whole mm-hmm. whole office, not just this one courthouse. Yeah. One thing we were thinking about was whether they were going to ask us to include the alternate public defender's office as well. Uh, there's there is a office called the alternate public defender, um, and his and his purpose is not to defend an alternate public, but rather to sub to sub in when there are conflicts. Uh, oh, okay. Sometimes you know, sometimes you have two people arrested as accomplices in the same crime. We can't necessarily represent both of them because. Somebody's going to say, no, it was him. No, it was him. Uh, Or somebody's uh, arrested for a crime, but they're also the victim of a crime that we're, you know, that we're involved in the defense of. Mm -hmm. You know, that is also that is also very common Mm -hmm. because of, you know, how crime tracks in certain areas. Mm -hmm. Um, As a result, uh, you know, they had created a additional office to take those to function. It's basically like our office, except smaller and with less support staff yeah. and their job is to take those 
conflict. So uh, now that you've been recognized um, by the, the county, what does that mean? Like, how do you, as a bargaining unit, actually engage? How do you get more on the radar, get more of what you want? Um, do you just show up and yell at the county board of supervisors now? Do you just, like, write your own contracts? What What's well, the plan? The first the first part is once you're, union, once you're unionized, once the union has been recognized, they cannot make any changes to your wages, benefits, or standards of conditions of employment uh, until they are put into a contract. Mm -hmm. So everything kind of pauses for a moment. Mm -hmm. um, you know, then that, that's partly to pre prevent any sort of retaliatory action. You can't, if somebody declares that they're unionized, you can't cut their wages or hours. Yeah. They, it's like anything you do has to be negotiated now. Yeah. Uh, so the process is getting into negotiations. And basically you kind of have to come with your proposed contract fully written then they push back on it and say, no, that's, we can't do that. How about like this? And you go back and forth. And then once you have something that um, seems like it's agreeable to all parties, then it goes back to the, the uh, membership of the union to vote on and ratify. If they ratify it, then the county ratifies it, then it's real. Mm -hmm. uh, and so like that's the next step in the process. The other thing, part of the process, though, is also having a union and this is very important to us in our unionizing gives us an independent political voice mm -hmm. that we didn't that we didn't have and couldn't legally have because as county employees we were not allowed to make certain sorts of representations as public defenders as part of the office mm -hmm. uh, could only do it as individuals which is weird mm -hmm. the union can take political positions the union can endorse a candidate for judge the union can endorse a legislative move or, you know, really step in to negotiate about the sort of uh, changes that the Board of Supervisors or the or the city council or the whole fucking state might be doing with regards to, especially with regards to criminal justice. Well, and I want to ask, so what kind of political stances are you hoping to see the union take or what sort of political issues are are on are like in your bargaining unit's mind at this point. I mean, the things that people are thinking about politically are have to do with you know our work uh, with the reform of the criminal system and mass incarceration and police accountability. Well, I explain a little bit, you know, if you can, uh, what it's like now operating under pressures, especially where a lot of the criminal legal system is about like plea deals and stuff like that, and what what strength the public defenders get from this sort of of arrangement. Well, there are, I guess we should say, in the world of the criminal law, uh, there are a couple big players in terms of making policy. Mm -hmm. One of those is the cops. Mm -hmm. You know, DAs also have quite a bit of clout. They tend to be elected officials. Uh, they tend to, you know, push things in a certain direction. And the direction they push things is universally towards putting more people in cages. Mm -hmm. That's just all it is. Putting people in cages, reducing accountability... Uh, reducing the ability of people to fight back or if falsely accused or if or if rightfully accused, mm -hmm. but reducing their access to uh, legal recourse and the rights they have. Like this is like time and time again, you know, whenever you see some of these cases go up on appeal relating to the Fourth Amendment and so forth, what it is is a DA saying, no, they should have the right to just go through your shit. Yeah. You know, so uh, having the ability to... Um, to push back on those things as a unified body is, you know, a real uh, step up. You can see this, like, in San Francisco, 
Jeff Adachi is the elected public defender of San Francisco. They're one of the only places that has an elected public defender. Because he's a independent uh, public official, he has a lot of freedom to advocate for, you know, f- politically against mass incarceration and against some of these uh, destructive or racist policies. And he, you know, his office is like a fraction of the size, an eighth of the size of the LA Public Defender's office, maybe maybe even smaller than that. So there's no, you know, if there's no, if you have an office of 660 attorneys who are broadly in agreement that mass incarceration needs to end, that should get some atten- some sort of traction. That should have some sort of force. Uh, so we'll be able to, I think, really push reforms that are meaningful and, you know, protect the rights of our clients and help people stay alive and out of cages, you know? And to, to shift gears real quick to the more pragmatic kind of like career stuff, what kind of changes do you hope to be able to bring to basic employment of public defenders? Uh, better, you know, raises, better job security? What are you guys looking at in terms of, of those sort of concerns? One of the things that really drove a lot of the uh, the anger that led to the unionization process was that promotions have been basically frozen or really slow at the public defender's office compared to county council or the DA's office or the, or even the alternate public defender's office. Yeah. And so when the promotions are, because it's a county system, it has these like promotional steps. And when you make the jump from one classification to another, that actually is representative of a huge amount of money and benefits. So one of the issues has been, we technically have uh, wage parity with the DA's office. Like mm-hmm. we technically have the same wages and benefits but we only do at a particular grade. They all get promoted faster, so they are all getting much, they're all getting paid substantially more. Not because, because they're, uh, they, while we all have the same steps, they just get to be on higher steps, mm. right? So it's like, oh, we're, a grade two public defender and a grade two DA might be making the same money, but there are a lot more grade three DAs because they're getting promoted faster. Mm. So. That's one thing that we were targeting right away because that's one of the things that causes people to leave the office. Yeah. You know, if somebody is stuck at grade two for 10 years, which has happened to a number of people, while being asked to do increasingly complex work, at some point they're going to say, well, fuck it, I could get better money elsewhere. I could yeah. go private. I could ter- join the alternate public defender's office and take a, you know, take a promotion. And so, like, that sort of thing is extremely damaging to the office because it lowers morale and it means you lose people who are experienced and good at their job. So that's something we're targeting right off the bat. Uh, and so the last question I wanted to ask, just sort of to, to round this off on sort of a philosophical point, being a public defender, as you've sort of pointed towards, is almost an inherently political action in and of itself, just having that job and doing that job. Yeah. What's it like operating in the public sphere but also having to be like a county employee to ride those lines, to be political but non-political. Well, that's one of the things that's been was tricky in the county's search for the new chief of the office. Some people whose names I'm not necessarily going to mention because I'm not necessarily supposed to be privy to some of these conversations. Uh, so some folks uh, objected to the degree of line towing that they'd have to do mm-hmm. as a head of a county agency uh, they're not allowed to push back in the same way and and honestly it does impact us all up and down the line we're not as allowed to do as much to hold the DAs accountable or hold the sheriff's department accountable as we otherwise might be because we all work for the same employer so that is something else that I'm hoping the union will be able to 
accomplish and as as an independent body uh, will be able to take those steps. So it it is a it is kind of a tricky question because a public defender is an inherently politicized uh, profession, but also there are weird ways in which you know if you're a public defender you're probably seeing the same judge every day, the same DA every day, the same bailiff every day. You know, so there is the the there is always a concern that the way you're proceeding in this universe requires you to accommodate people who you wouldn't otherwise want to accommodate. Yeah. But this is, you know, on the flip side, you know, you can oftentimes convince them to do things, you know, if, based on personal relationships. Yeah. You know, they under if you're dealing with the same people over and over again, they'll know when you're serious. You, you, know? you build sort of a rapport. You you sort of get a, a working relationship. Yeah, and that and that is a that does present a certain sort of uh, dilemma. So it it is a that is a good question. It's a line you just have to sort of navigate because. Every you know the fact of the matter is everything involved in this system of mass incarceration is completely fucked up. Yeah. Right. Um, the and the way that the legal profession is structured, you know, the you, know, you can't have you know, like massive plea bargains drive the mass incarceration. Yeah. Plea bargains can't happen without our assistance. Mm. Right. But the thing about it is also, as attorneys, our uh, our ethical obligations attached to each client individually. Mm. So even though it is better for, you know, the grand system, if I said screw it and set everything for trial and made them deal with it for in each individual considered as an individual, that client may benefit from and often can benefit from a plea bargain in their particular circumstances. And that might be their particular wish. So because of the way ethical obligations attach it, makes it harder to challenge the some elements of the system as a whole. Okay. Right? But really, when you have, the hope is, or my hope is certainly, as there is growing a realization in this country that the system of mass incarceration that we have is absolute f***ing nonsense. Yeah. Right? If you wanted to, you know, if you were looking at it and saying, oh, we want to end mass incarceration, like, you can't just be like, oh, let out the nonviolent drug offenders, because to end mass incarceration... Just even in the most basic sense, if you wanted to get back down to what it looks like in other countries, you'd have to reduce the population by 80%, right? So, like, you can't just do that by saying, oh, like, we'll, we'll legalize weed. Yeah. You know, it, requi- it requires a real aggressive rethinking of the entire functioning of the system, the entire way it's set up. Um, and people are starting to get the, get the picture that there's something really wrong. Mm-hmm. So, given that we have the actual experience with the people being affected by mass incarceration with the processes that get people in the system and keep them there and the things that pose the most danger to them, uh, I'm hoping that we can really have an impact in shaping the reforms that will emerge in a way that actually benefits people, actually works to abolish mass incarceration and prisons and cops and the whole yeah. cri- the whole criminal punishment system yeah. rather than simply things that might be band-aids yeah you know? because we, we we actually need radical reform and it seems like radical reform is uh the the order of the day here in la with the reform la jails petition uh getting on the ballot for 2020 uh, and a lot of other focus on the mass incarceration system so i'm looking forward to seeing what the public defenders union can do to push forward that narrative and push for a more equal and you know just criminal legal system so thank you very much ace for sure thank you for having me 
And one last thing before you go. So uh, I've been repping the Knock Patreon for a bit. Uh, encouraging you all every now and then to like tell your friends, throw us a dollar, maybe five if you want to get wild on it. We're making a big push to get our Patreon subscribers up so that we can start paying writers reliably. One of the things that happened as local journalism has died is people aren't going to LA City Council meetings, to committee meetings, and reporting back on those. We want to be providing that service. That really boring in the trenches reporting from these kind of sort of like bureaucratic, technocratic institutions is really, really important to understanding how this city works. And the ability to get people the freedom and the opportunity to go to those meetings, to do reporting on that, and then to be able to benefit from that materially is a real goal of ours. We're trying to build a non-hierarchical media structure here. That means that we're not sitting at the top cashing the checks for ourselves and paying a pittance to the writers. The writers are all getting paid before the editorial staff. And in order to make that happen, we got to call out to you because as much as I would love to fund this entire operation out of my own pocket like I just can't do that I, I have cats to feed and they get very very angry if I don't so we're turning to you and asking you to like tell your friends about knock LA see if you can get them to throw us a dollar I mean worst case scenario you pay us a dollar for a month you don't like it and then you don't pay us a dollar ever again I think you'll get your money's worth but anyways if you get the chance please, please do subscribe to our Patreon. Please tell your friends to subscribe. We've got some really big things coming down the line. We've got some really exciting developments. And in order to make that really, really pop off, we're going to need all of your help and all of your support as we keep growing. Thank you very, very much for listening. Thank you for all of the support. We're going to be back here with some new stuff, so please stay tuned. Don't forget, never lose your sense of outrage. (laughs) 